0: Today on The Breakdown, there's six players left in a WPT championship event. There's a big name at the table, too. It's Tony Gregg, also known as The End Boss. But he's mostly going to be sitting and watching as Chris Lee, Andre Neffler, and another guy. (laughs) Play a hand that's got some unusual decisions to say the least, people. Is it possible to make a pristine read, a perfect read based on almost no information? Is it possible to make a pristine read off of that pristine read with almost no information? You may not even know what I'm talking about. I barely know what I'm talking about. But we're going to get into it all right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. <laughs>
1: I don't think uh, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I get it, but I do know you said pristine. You said pristine three times, which that's a triple. That's a triple Reynolds. <laughs> they call that a triple Reynolds. That's
0: right. It's a, It's very rare to find that in the wild, but we did. You know, we didn't try and do it. it just you want to? You
1: want to hear? You want to hear my impression of William Reynolds going to a coffee shop? Yes. Okay, uh, you be you be the barista. Okay. Okay. I'll have one coffee,
0: please. <laughs> uh, uh, sure. Uh, what What's the name?
1: It's uh Bill Reynolds.
0: <laughs> uh, you, would you like uh, uh any foam with it? With that,
1: just the coffee, please, and I'll be on my way.
0: Is there more? This is this is this it? Do you, May I have? <laughs> I would like the coffee. <laughs>
1: Give me the coffee.
0: <laughs> I thought that. <they, laughs> Why did it, why did we have to be why did I have to be a barista then? Because you're just doing his. I thought there was going to be tell, a thing you were going to say.
1: Just tell me you're giving
0: me the coffee. Oh, here's, here's, I'm here's, not done yet. Sorry, that's what I was trying to find out. Here's your coffee, sir.
1: Oh, thank you, sir. This coffee looks pristine. <laughs> Jesus,
0: that's, that, that's the whole thing. That's really <laughs> a lot of effort. A tremendous amount of effort. It felt worth it. You got to tell me, you got to cue me up a little more though. You got to say, like, be the barista handing William Reynolds coffee at the end. I'll be like, okay. And I would have set it up nicely for you.
1: I thought you were like a theater nerd growing up. You should know that in improv, you just go with I it, I did.
0: Man. See, I went with it, but I didn't know what direction you wanted because that was... See, I can't read your mind and I can't see through your freaking you... head because it's okay. full of like bone. It's uh, By I, the way, your forehead is huge. I, assume... <laughs>
1: <laughs> I assumed... I don't know why you said that. That was rude. I assumed a level of logic in you. I assumed that perhaps if I said, you be the barista in this coffee shop, yeah. I assumed that you had been a person, although you don't drink coffee, you've been to a coffee shop, you've been to stores. Yeah. You've gone through the entire interaction of purchasing an item, right? I have. It doesn't stop with like, hey, what do you want? Excuse me. I say what I want. I believe actually... And then the interaction's over. And now the inter- it's like, hey, can I have that saltwater taffy? And... Then the interaction ends. Isn't it isn't true, mind, though, apparently. in like a Starbucks
0: that they, you don't have an interaction when you get your coffee? They're like, Bill Reynolds, and they put the coffee down and they walk away. They don't, do, they don't, they don't give it to you.
1: I mean, it depends. If you ordered online, you don't even have any, even that. So what they the just fuck it are it we talking about? If, okay, hold on a second. <laughs> First of all, you're wrong about if you go in, in person to a Starbucks. If you go in person to yeah. a Starbucks, you walk up to the counter, you ask for the thing that you want, and they say, okay, that'll be right out.
0: Yeah, we did that unless part it's a, of it. In Los black coffee. You ordered. We did that part. The part where the part you wanted though was where I handed it to you, and I'm saying that part doesn't actually exist in a Starbucks, even though apparently it, in yes your it does. Yes, it deranged does. Deranged mind. Now, it does. To,
1: okay, let me finish. Okay, I'm, A little inside baseball. I knew this was going to be a difficult podcast based on Jonathan's <laughs> attitude before we began. So here we are. Uh, but, you did this, but a little inside in. A little inside information that I suppose you don't know about about buying coffee is, yes, that is the way I describe that interaction at Starbucks is often how it happens, but that's not if you're ordering just a black coffee, which is what William Reynolds ordered in that time. They just give it to you right there
0: because there's, oh. they just have to pour it and give it to you. Oh, I see. I see. See, what as someone who never actually did improv, but acts like I'm supposed to know everything that ever happened in the world, apparently, as we do it. What you would actually do is you would be William Reynolds and you would cue me with what you wanted me to do. You'd be like i uh, we're, we're Bill Reynolds here to pick up my coffee, or yeah, I just ordered that black coffee. If you could just hand it to me right now, because I'm ready. If you don't have, anything, you know, you you let me know what I'm supposed to do, so I could say yes and do that, rather than just quietly wait for me to know magically what I'm supposed to do next. So you could say the I word proceed, which, by the way, you could have worked into any sentence at any point along the way, anyway. Here's
1: there's two things happening here. Yeah, one, I think. You're certainly overemphasizing the level to which I did not cue you up for this oh situation. It didn't God. seem that hard.
0: That's crazy.
1: Two. Two. A thing happened. Well, I didn't know I was going to do a voice, but when I started doing the voice, I was like, this is a pretty funny William Reynolds mm, voice, so I'm going to stretch my legs with this a little yeah. bit. I was going to stretch my legs with it. So that's what
0: happened. I'm fine with that. I like that you stretch your legs with it. I say, you know... Work with that instinct, but you also have to, if you want me to do something for you, you have to help me along the way. You weren't giving me any help. That's all. That's how it works. I'm your theater kid. I'm telling you, you got to help me. Yeah.
1: How'd that go, by the way? How's your theater career?
0: (laughs) I mean, it went okay. It went okay. (laughs) Okay. I mean, not great, I guess. (laughs) 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 Are you
1: actually? I, well, we're on Zoom right now. Are you actually wearing a black turtleneck? That really adds yeah. to the theater well, kid it's, thing.
0: Is that really a turtleneck? It's like a, it's like okay. a wicking sports shirt. It's you know, but it's a. Chi- oh, okay. But it, it it looks like a it looks like a Steve Jobs shirt from where you are for sure.
1: Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So that adds to the whole theater kid <sighs> of it. Oh,
0: that felt great. I needed. <laughs> I needed to yell at somebody. <laughs>
1: I don't know why, man. Life is good. Life, life is you're tense. You're one of the poker guys. A lot of,
0: lot of tension in Poker Guys HQ right now. You know?
1: Yeah. All coming from one direction, man. That's where that band name came from. I just figured it yeah, out. Yeah, Harry, right.
0: Harry is the reason why. I'm tense. There's no question about it. Everyone knows him and that other guy Maybe are not. together, and they pretend to have girlfriends, and I, I think they should just be open about it.
1: Okay, that is what you say the reason is, but I know the reason is because he didn't return your fan mail where you mailed him some of your hair.
0: Well, along with a, I will say, very tastefully written epic poem about him and whatever that other guy is, and a few of the mean, other the members. I mean, the thing about the epic poem. One, Oh, the epic you? poem was tasteful. Yes, thank
1: you. But it was just like half a centimeter away from plagiarizing the Iliad. And everybody knows that.
0: Everybody? So oh, yeah. Kind of your oh, problem. yeah. Like the yeah. members of One Direction are smart enough to... They want to know the Iliad if it stamped him on the forehead.
1: <laughs> okay, then why, why then did he not respond? It has to be something. Well, it's either that he recognized the plagiarism yeah. or your hair wasn't good enough. Well, Which one do you want I to I refuse
0: be? for it to be either one of those. Those are both... Okay, <laughs> impossible answers as far as I'm concerned. I'm going to say he's catching up on the new season, The Mandalorian. He's very excited about it. I would guess that's a very hairy thing to do, you know, and just like he just forgets about returning his messages. That's part of his. That's part of his charm, you know. All the guys in OD are like that, you know. They like they got a little absent-minded. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we love them. <laughs> okay, um, I will say this. Whatever helps. <laughs> Just to, just to bring it back to reality for a second. I wouldn't know. If you if you played me a One Direction song, the most popular one, whatever that is, I am sure I would not recognize it. I mean, I have no sense of any of that stuff, like, at all.
1: I share that sentiment, but I don't know if that's true. Yeah. Like, I certainly couldn't name it, but it's possible that I, it's, like, been on in the background somewhere, and I would recognize it from that. I guess that happens once in a while. I wouldn't have known it was.
0: Yeah. But remember, I was the guy who thought Float On was a new song like four years ago. I was like, this is... I thought yeah, it was a brand new song, and it was like 11 years old and was had been a huge hit forever, right? I mean, so.
1: But at least you finally discovered it, and you had a magical time yeah, with it. Yeah, I did. I like that song.
0: I mean, so does everybody else. It's not yeah. like rocket science. It's a science. Good, al- good album. Anyway.
1: Anyway. Let's talk a little bit about poker, oh, yeah. I guess. We talked a little bit about William Reynolds, uh,
0: which is poker adjacent, I suppose. We talked about but, improv craft. Yeah.
1: All right. In the future, we'll do more William Reynolds skits, obviously. obviously. But oh. we'll, we'll save that for another podcast. I mean,
0: what an odd couple William Reynolds and Dan Shack would be if they were living in an apartment together. I'm just saying.
1: I'm, that sounds like something that we should workshop a little <laughs> bit for sure. And uh, we will be brainstorming on I that. I see a new you know, video series. Long into the night.
0: A new video series coming.
1: Burning the candle. Burning the candle at both ends to get that out
0: to you people. I mean, it would be really but, funny. With puppets or hands, hands <laughs> with faces drawn on them, but you're doing the voices, and they're in a, I mean, that's pretty good stuff. Anyway.
1: All right, so here's the situation. We have six left in this WPT. Uh, it's a $3,300 buy-in, I believe. Yep, it is. And the current payout is something like $60K?
0: It's actually, I mean, it's $33 plus two, so it's really a $3,500 buy-in,
1: you know. Okay. So it's like a 60 k current payout, and first place is
0: 416 k That's almost exactly right.
1: All right, that's the situation we find ourselves in when in this hand that was suggested by Mung Juice occurs. Mung Juice has been doing a good job suggesting WPT hands on Twitter. We have requested certain types of hands be suggested because they're easier for us to make videos of. That includes uh, anything Poker PokerStars owns, which includes, like, EPT and, and, like, the big game and stuff like that. Uh, NAPT, all that old stuff that no longer exists is just all under the veil of PokerStars now. WPT... Um, what are what's some other ones? Aussie o- Millions is a good one. Yeah. And uh, Triton. The Triton stuff is all good, too. Yep. There's some other ones, but I can't think of them right you now. Yeah. Uh, every but version. Anyway, Mungju suggested on Twitter, included a YouTube link and a timestamp. We are the Poker Guys on Twitter. If you want to suggest a hand and get your name on the breakdown alongside stalwarts of poker like William Reynolds, then you should suggest there at two Poker Guys, the number two Poker Guys, include a YouTube link and a timestamp. You have something else you want to say? Um, you,
0: want to say you know, a lot of people these days, when they suggest a hand, they seem to use the message function. They're DMing us, and I guess that's fine. But really, we're looking for just a normal at two poker guys and write your tweet, you know? Keep it public, people. I mean, the DMing is fine. Yeah, fine. it is fine.
1: If you, if you feel more comfortable DMing, that's totally fine. I mean, if
0: you're afraid uh, and you have to DM, that's fine, I guess. Whatever, it's fine. If you're, like, afraid.
1: Oh, so it's not just me who's a target today, huh? It's just everybody. Everybody's everyone who DMs. Rage. Not
0: everyone, just everyone who DMs and who's afraid. It's okay to be okay. afraid and to admit it. Admit your fear. All of you out there, there's a lot of you. I mean, we're ruled by fear. We're is humans. this one
1: of the days where you're trying... Is this one of those days where you're trying, like, not to eat a lot of calories or
0: something? Actually, or it is. It? it is, yes. I'm going to eat almost nothing. Okay, today. it all makes a little <laughs> bit more sense now. It all makes a little <laughs> bit more
1: sense. <laughs> um, All right. So with the, the situation I explained, it is 20K, 40K. We got a player who goes by Chris V, according to the old WPT. He's got 2.1 million. Chris Lee. So over 50 bigs. Chris Lee. No, V. No, no, we're not doing Chris Lee yet. We're talking about Chris V. Oh, Chris Van His first Dursen. name is Chris. His last Chris Van Dursen. Name. Van Dursen, yeah. sure. Okay, Van Dursen. W, uh, EPT, WPT had it as Chris V sure. for a bit, at least. Anyway, he's going to min open to 80K from the cutoff with 108 of spades. Over 50 bigs. According to Tony Dunst, this guy is an amateur-type player. Yeah. Uh, we don't know anything about him.
0: Right. <clears throat>
1: then we got Andre Neifler in the small blind. He's going to be the effective stack in the hand. He's got 875K, so about 22 big blinds. And he's got two aces. Ace of hearts, ace of clubs. Now... Obviously, there's three options here, calling, three betting to something like seven or six blinds, which is weird, or shoving. Yeah. How do you approach the situation with aces in a shortstop?
0: <sighs> I mean, I think it comes down, when we're in the small blind and there's a min raise, I think we're kind of mostly obligated to a three bet this. Like, uh, First of all, I think one of the questions we have to ask is, uh, are there any hands we're ever calling with here? I think their answer may be yes that with, even with 21 and a half blinds or 22 blinds here, we can actually call with some hands when there's a min raise, like king-queen suited and stuff like that. We don't have to shove those hands, right?
1: We don't have to. I'm sure a solver would say
0: it's more yeah. profitable to shove than to call. It's, it's so easy to do it. I think there is one other really short stack. I think there's a 17-blind stack as well. But whatever. I mean, I guess we're, like, are we really trying to ladder up? The ladder is $15,000. First place is, you know, $400,000 more like we can't really earn $350,000 more. We can't really be thinking about laddering in any way. Um, I think, I th- really, we're just supposed to raise. And raising small is kind of weird. It's kind of obvious. Now, if we think this guy's an amateur, maybe we should just three bet small. Anyway, like, I want to three bet mostly to get rid of the big blind and not worry. Like, if this guy's an amateur, let's three bet small. Let's three bet to six blinds or five and a half blinds or something.
1: I I guess. I mean, it is super fishy to do that. Like, would you ever do that with Ace King? You would just jam Ace King, right?
0: Yep. I would jam Jax also. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I do yeah. with Ace-Five suited? I jam it or fold it. Yep. Yeah. But if this guy's an amateur, it's okay. Right? That's the only, that's the only reason. If this was Tony Gregg opening, this is the cutoff he's opening? Right?
1: Uh yeah, cut off.
0: Uh, I would definitely jam it because I know Tony's going to call me with like Ace Nine and stuff like that, right? Like if he's got enough blinds to do it with, he's got Ace Jack, a hundred percent, he's calling, you know, stuff like that. This guy is probably going to fold all those hands, like all like he's only going to call with real hands probably, and uh, and he may not see that it's obvious that I have it. So I would say yeah, sure, let's let's make it six blinds or let's make it five and a half blinds, like whatever.
1: I do think it's dangerous to underestimate an opponent who's categorically an amateur, like. Some amateurs who, who it may not be a plus EV move for him to enter this tournament, but he may have an understanding that leads him to know that if we make it six blinds off a twenty two blind stack, we fucking have it for sure. Yeah. Like I've played with plenty of amateurs who would know that. Yeah, that's true. You know, they're not pros. Yeah. So I think it might be a bit too transparent. It should despite be. the amateur status of your opponent. It really yeah. should
0: be too transparent. You know, the first time this ever I ever ran into this, I was playing in a five hundred dollar sit and go at the Rio in like two thousand and seven. And we were, like, six-handed at this point. And a really good player opened, and I had 15 blinds on the button, and I flatted. And the big blind shoved, and the really good player shoved for, like, 16 blinds or something like that. And the really good player thought and thought and thought, and he finally said, I'm folding because I know this guy has aces and pointed at me. And I had aces. And I was like, yeah, I do. And luckily enough for me, actually, that, the other guy, the guy who folded would have won. <laughs> but, like, that was the first time I ever encountered sort of, like, someone being good enough to read into that. And, like, and I had to change sure. my strategy, Based, I was like, oh, when you're up against a good player, you can't just... Like, he knows I'm 3 but He knew I was good enough to only be three-betting or folding there because we've been playing for a few hours at this table. And so then it was just like, yeah, and this is the point, right? So it is pretty fishy. And this was 2007. It isn't like he was a hardcore pro, but he was definitely really good. You know, he was, like, playing, yeah. playing those $500 dollars sitting and goes for a living, you know, for that month and a half or whatever. Like, that was just what he did. Um, so, anyway... Yeah, it's it's pretty transparent. I agree. Uh a shove is definitely the least transparent play. Of course, it's the hardest one to get action from usually unless you're up against a really good player. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean that's the thing about these 20 plus big blind shoves like you're not getting called that often, which is often good. Yes. You usually want to not get called. But when you have aces, you you really want to get called obviously. Which sucks, because if you are a good player playing against good players, you have to employ balance, and you have to shove with aces also, or else you're just going to get eaten alive over time.
0: Yeah, of course. Um, of course.
1: So you just have to kind of forego the moment and understand that balance is more important over time, I guess. Um, Unless you have a really clear exploit. Like, yeah. we know this guy who opened for sure is the type of amateur who's not going to understand the sizing at all. Right. But I, I would guess that would not be obvious to... Andre Neithaler. at this point.
0: I mean, you say that. I don't know. These guys have been playing in this tournament for days. I don't know how long Andre's been playing with this guy, but they've been down to like three tables and two tables for a long time now for hours and maybe even a day already. Yeah. Um, he also, I think Andre is like a reg on the WPT. Um, maybe some of the smaller events. I'm not sure. But I think like Tony Dunst knows who he is and stuff like that. So I think, so it's very possible. Also, he's gotten the, you know, other people have told him what this guy does and what this guy doesn't do. You know how that is. If you and I are playing at opposite tables and then a guy gets moved who's got a lot of chips or something like that, I'll text you something about the guy or vice versa. Like, that's really common. So so I don't know. It's fair to say that he doesn't know a whole lot about this guy. He may know way. We may absolutely know enough about this guy. The question is, is this like an... Assuming this guy's an amateur, um, is he an amateur like uh, Darwin Moon? Or is an amateur like... Actually, he's really good. Because if he's Darwin Moon, we could absolutely just three bets of five and a half lines, right?
1: I guess, I guess, but also when Darwin moon made his deep run, it was an earlier era than this. Like the general amateur is better as we, as we go. It seems. I agree. Maybe I'm giving the general amateur too much credit because I haven't played live tournaments for like a year because of COVID.
0: Yeah. So I think that too. Also, when did Darwin moon have, I think it's
1: easy to forget.
0: 2007. Okay. I mean, this is 2012. It it is five years later, but it's also eight years ago. Okay. It's important to remember that, too. So, like, everyone wasn't, like, super advanced. And, I, and even the people who are advanced now, there's a lot of people who are not advanced. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of people who just okay. can't figure stuff out.
1: I think we're getting a bit too into the, the minutia yeah. of this. And I think the upshot should be that you should probably never try this exploit of like doing this really transparent small three bet with a small stack with aces or kings only, unless you really, really, really know your opponent like yeah. really well. like It's not, not recommended. I agree
0: completely. Basically,
1: this should be mostly a shove, and I guess sometimes a flat. So how do we decide if we're going to flat or shove?
0: I mean, flatting is basically the same thing, though, right? Flatting is the same thing as three betting small if you're up against good opponents, isn't it?
1: It's not the same thing. It's different. The, the difference like is... you're
0: guaranteeing is to see a flop. You, you give your opponents a chance to outflop you. That's the difference.
1: It's, that's not the only difference. You also get your opponents to see bet a lot of the time.
0: Why would they see bet if you're they're good enough to know that you always are shoving any, your entire playing range except this hand that you chose not to? Why would they ever see bet Oh, I'm not...
1: What about what I said said it was only this hand that we would flat?
0: Well, I remember I originally brought up the idea of other hands we might flat, and you... Seem pretty strong in thinking that the solver would never think there would be hands we would flat here. No.
1: Well, I I, would, I said the solver probably wouldn't, but if you're going to flat aces, sometimes you should probably have other hands that aren't super strong in your flat.
0: Agreed. Advantage. That's why I said king queen suited, but then you shat all over me.
1: <laughs> I did not. Eat, dude, eat some food, please. No, like, just have no, have a hard boiled egg. No, nothing today. <laughs> it's
0: just a day of nothing. You're being very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: Being very difficult. Uh, anyway, yeah. all of this discussion is because ultimately Andre Neifeler does flat, yeah. which feels like obviously not the best option on the surface. I think it's probably better against most opponents than three betting small. Shoving okay. does often just end up with you winning the pot, and that's not ideal but I think a shove is probably the play that you're really supposed to make here, Of right? course it is,
0: because the truth is we're going to be shoving a lot of hands, right? Like, we're shoving Ace-10 yeah. plus, for sure. We're probably shoving Ace-9. Um, we're shoving some other suited aces. We're shoving King-Queen. We're shoving King-Jack. We're probably shoving King-10 suited. Probably shoving other a bunch of other Broadway combinations, certainly suited ones, and probably a lot, bunch of... Maybe even offsuit ones, depending on how often uh, Chris V is raising right we're shoving all pocket pairs we might be shoving some other suited connectors we're shoving a lot we have to shove some really good hands too otherwise if they could just lop off the top of our range every time it's absurdly easy to make good decisions against us so we have to also include aces in our shoving range almost always yep,
1: yep. <clears throat> a a conventional reason for flattening here might be if the big blind was short and was often going to squeeze but that's not the case right because the big blind is Chris Chris Lee who uh not not to be confused with Chris V. Chris Lee in the big blind has 2.9 million, so he has the biggest stack in the hand with over 60 bigs. Um, so that's not really a thing that's going to happen very often where he's just going to squeeze because he's got 18 blinds or whatever. Yeah. Which would be a reason to flat sometimes with aces, but no. So this is some sort of exploit against the opener. Yeah. Uh, is... Tony Dunst talks about it a little bit after the hand and, and he believes that it's an exploit against an amateur
0: opener. Yeah. Basically. Which makes the most sense of all of it. Like if you think you're up against Arvin moon here, I would actually three bet anyway, though against the amateur rather than just call and let the big blind in as well, basically for free for nearly free. And also, um, Chris Lee. So, you know, has like really good results. He's got over a million dollars in live earnings, stuff like that. Um, He's probably going to see through what we're doing. Also, if we flat here, like a three bet, even though he's going to know what we have, he's mostly going to be out of the hand and the other, we're going to be able to put more chips in with a guy who's probably doesn't understand what's going on. And we're short enough that we're often going to be able to get all in on a lot of flops and turns. So I don't know. I would, I would still want a so three bet small to, as an exploit rather than flat as an exploit. As, okay.
1: You prefer the, you, you prefer the three bet small versus the flat as an exploit.
0: Yeah. From the small blind. Okay. From the small blind specifically.
1: I don't know. I think the three but small is just really weird, it, from the small blind specifically with this stack. Like it just you just don't see that from good
0: players. Ditto a call. That's the same thing with a call here, though.
1: I think a call. I think you can see a call more frequently. Like the Negranu type players really feel like they can call here with a lot of hands.
0: They used to. I don't know if they still feel that way. With twenty with twenty one blinds, twenty twelve with twenty one blinds. I don't know if that's true.
1: Either way. This seems to have cost a potential double up immediate chance here for, for Nyfeller because Chris Lee, who is a good player in the big blind, has two tens and overcalls instead of three betting. Right. So those tens are probably going with it if the 21 blinds get shoved, right? Like most of the time, he's just going to reshove the tens. 100%. And not only that, get the 80, you get the 85% shot to double up there.
0: Also, the, good. the tens are often just going to three bet squeeze here anyway. And we we can see what would happen with the cards, right? Like, almost always, Chris Van Derzen's going to fold the 10 of spades. Uh, Andre's going to shove the aces, and Chris Lee's going to snap call with 10s and, you know, be in huge trouble, have one out. Like, that's what's going to happen. But, like, instead, Chris Lee can... I don't know. I guess Chris Lee might be balancing, but mostly I think Chris Lee is sniffing out what's going on already, and it's like, of course I'm not going to raise my 10s here. Like, why would I raise my 10s? The guy with 21 blinds just flattered in the small blind. Like, how can I raise 10s, you know? Yeah, makes sense to me.
1: Yeah, that really could be what's going on. So, that is what happens. It's just a flat and I'm sure that Allure was hoping for the three bet, but and I guess this is to your point, like this is a problem with the strategy is you're always almost always letting in a good player in the big blind when you flat with aces and now you have to contend against two hands. Sure, playing high variance when you're one of the shorter stacks is fine, but it'd be better to be heads up for sure.
0: Also, you're out of position against both hands, which sucks too. Like, it just sucks. You know, it's going to be harder to get value. It does. It's going to be easier for them to get value against you on, you know, on bad runouts. Like, it just sucks.
1: It does. You know what doesn't suck? Nitrogen sports poker, Jonathan. Yes. Just plain doesn't suck. It does not. It's just interesting how little it sucks. And the thing that sucks the least about it is our tournament. I mean, this thing is pretty sweet with the price of bitcoin these days mm-hmm. it's still really cheap to get in uh, at the time we're recording bitcoin is around sixteen thousand dollars so it's a it's 0.1 millibits to buy in which equates to about a dollar sixty not too expensive they guarantee 100 millibits which equates to about sixteen hundred dollars they cap the player pool at 300 players meaning 480 dollars is the most amount of money that can ever account for the players meaning nitrogen is throwing in at least $1,200, almost. Like, at least $1,120 into the prize pool. Just, like, giving it away. You got to use the link in the description when you sign up for this math to work for you, Jonathan. Math can work for you.
0: Yes. Yes, it can. And it's a beautiful thing when it does, Grant. A beautiful, beautiful thing. Nitrogen Sports not only has this amazing monthly poker tournament that, of course, you can only get if you use the link in the description to sign up for Nitrogen because um, it's the poker guy's special tourney. Also, they have sports betting. Also, they have casino games. Also, it's Bitcoin only, which these days, not only is everyone excited about Bitcoin, but also you get your money in super fast. You get your money out super fast, like 90 minutes to get your money out that still is way ahead of anyone else in the industry where it takes days, often days, and sometimes even, dare I say, weeks for some places to pay you. Sometimes never do they pay you. It really sucks. Not so with Nitrogen. Nitrogen's better.
1: That should be their logo. Nitrogen's I better. I mean, that's not I a mean, bad logo. Not logo. logo it's is not really a logo. Visual. Slogan. You mean that's slogan. A vis- yeah, slogan. Logo is visual. Yes, yes, it is. Okay. Yes, it is. Anyway, use the link in the description to get access to that tournament. And by the way, sometimes other promotions happen that are only for the people who use the link. So you get all sorts of benefits.
0: Check it it out. costs you nothing. You, you only get more stuff. That's the cool thing. You don't miss out yep. on anything. You just get extra stuff. It's pretty crazy. Right.
1: And it lets you know that... You, uh, lets Nitrogen know that you came from us, which you know, helps our relationship with them, Yep. which helps the poker guys continue. It, so that's good. That's exactly we right. We want the poker guys to continue, don't we? We don't do. Don't we, Mung Juice and others, who suggested this hand? You answered for Mung Juice. Are you Mung Juice, John? You said
0: we. You didn't say you. You said we. Am I not part of a we now? Now, now Mung Juice is we all by him or herself. That doesn't make any sense unless Mung Juice, I guess, could be a brood, could be a collective, I suppose, now that I think about it. I'm going to take it back.
1: Can you please just like eat a Dorito? am fine. You're so cantankerous.
0: I'm doing great over here. I'm <laughs> at my fucking height. I'm peaking right now, Grant. You just can't handle the peak. <laughs> okay. It's okay. Most people can't handle it. I know. It's like climbing to Mount Everest. You know, you might die along the way. That's what it's like with me right now, buddy. I'm flying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> was that like a partial It's Always Sunny reference? It was the whole Dennis thing where he keeps talking about how he's peaking.
0: <laughs> oh, no. I, if it was, it was unintentional. I, I thought I was coming up with that. I I was really proud of that, the peaking thing. Is that Dennis does that? That's from us where I heard it originally. Yeah. Oh, that's, it's good stuff. Pe- There's an episode where he says it a lot. Uh, yeah. It's been a while. I'm going to say I came up with that on my own, even though I've seen it before. That's reasonable.
1: Anyway, let's, uh, let's head to the flop here. We've got uh, the short stack, Andre, with about 20 blinds remaining in his stack, and two aces, ace of hearts, ace of clubs, in the small blind. Chris Lee in the big blind with 10 of diamonds, 10 of clubs. Chris Vander something. Vanderzen. is the opener with Van derzen with 10, of 8 of spades. 270K in the pot. The flop is not a fair one for young Andre. It is the queen of diamonds, 10 of hearts, and five of clubs. So Chris Lee has made a set. Middle pair for Chris Van Derzen, and uh, Andre left with an over pair, which still feels like it's probably good most of the time. Mm -hmm. All right, so here's an interesting decision to to lead the flop. Andre's going to lead his aces for 115K. What do you think is behind this, and do you like it?
0: I'm kind of surprised he chooses to do it. He must know that Chris Van Der is checking, checks a fair amount of boards. Because this is the kind of board Van Der often going to be able to bet. You know, he's going to have a bunch of queens. He's going to have, like, ace-jack, ace-king, um, king-jack. He's going to have hands he can absolutely bet here. And then we can check-raise, which is, I think, what we'd want to do, right? We just want to check-raise all in. Or effectively check-raise all in. We yeah. actually do it. You know, but put in enough money that we're committed. Um so if we know that Chris V Chris Van Dersen checks a lot, then I could see why we'd want to lead because we'd expect Chris Lee, who actually, as it turns out is flopped to set, is gonna check if we check, right? So and rather than give Chris Van Dersen that power, maybe three ways he's just gonna check a lot. It's not crazy to check a lot with three ways here, even on this board, unless you have something that you're working with. Um, I can understand the lead out, but I'm still surprised he does it. I think I'd be looking to, especially since we decided to flat and sort of slow play and be tricky, I'd be looking to check-raise all in here against the amateur especially.
1: Yeah. As you talked about that, I really liked a lot of what you said, and it made me not like the lead um, because it feels to me that if Andrews is this amateur who is going to check a lot, he's probably still going to bet a lot when he has something, right? Yeah. And if we lead for 115 k the guy's not just going to... like float with six, seven suited or something. So if he's not going to bet six, seven suited, he's also not going to call with six, seven suited. So I don't see there being a lot of value in leading versus check raising. Like maybe he'll check back a lot of the time. So be it. But when he does bet, he has something that he can call off with and we get to put a ton of money in on the flop when we're most likely to be way ahead. I mean, I feel like that's a much better plan. I
0: I agree with you, but I do think that like, we're going to get a lot of calls like, this is the kind of board that's going to generate a lot of calls from the original Razor, right? Like, they don't have that many folds in them. They have some, for sure. Like, pocket sevens is just going to throw it away. But a lot of hands are going to call once anyway. But I would, I still...
1: would. Well, are, those, yeah. are those hands, though, that he would have bet anyway, mostly?
0: Some of them, yes. Some of them, no. Like, any 10 may have checked three ways. I actually don't know what he's doing with ace-king and ace-jack. Like, a lot of players will bet that. A lot of players will check that. I don't know what this amateur is doing. If you think he's going to be extra checky then maybe we, we bet because we think he's only betting a queen and we're getting value from that either way, and it's not a big deal. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I still like the idea of checking I mean, to give the bluffs the, the guy a chance to bluff, but if we know he never bluffs and you know he's going to be like tight on the flop, I don't know how we know all this, but maybe we do.
1: I still think it's better to let him bet if he has it and check if he doesn't for like also the hands that you keep mentioning ace king and ace jack we block those pretty heavily yeah, we do. if those are some of his more likely check back hands, we don't really care we assume he's like, gonna it's bet not as big of a deal we assume
0: he's gonna bet king jack by the way we block we block the draw anyway from coming in if it yeah. does come in some you know a third of the time when it comes in we've got to redraw to the full house because it would be an ace on the turn um I mean, we
1: might be able to shut out King Jack while getting more money. He's yeah. going to probably see better. And he's, if he's actually going to be any good at math, he's going to fold it to the shove. And that is
0: a good outcome for us. Absolutely. That's a great outcome for us, for sure. Uh, now, maybe if we bet he's going to shove King Jack any, or raise King Jack anyway, and we're going to get it all in. But I agree with you. I'd rather be able to check raise all in and let King Jack do whatever the hell it does with it. I it, assume it's folding, but even if it calls, like, fine. That's great, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. It just seems like if we're so going to play... So mostly we're... It, sorry, go ahead. You speak.
1: It, it seems like mostly we're worried about him checking back middle pair, which is actually what he has.
0: Right. Um, I think if we're deciding to flat the small blind to confuse the amateur leading out right here does not make any sense. Like, we should be letting the guy bet, yeah. not claiming we suddenly have something that's pretty good. Like, the whole point was we were trying to look weak, Right. I don't know if we did a great job of that, but that's yeah. what we're trying to do. So, like, what the hell, man?
1: And we're not here to protect our hand, right? We're, like, that's not why we're playing the hand this way. We're we're playing the hand this way in order to maximize value wherever we can. It seems like it. And this bet seems like is just trying to, like, define things and protect our hand, which is not the, the original goal of flatting in the first place. Agreed. So, yeah, I think I don't like it. I don't like the lead. All right. Well, this is kind of a miracle for Chris Lee with a set of tens. Yeah. How should he proceed?
0: I mean, I don't hate just raising right now. I got to tell you. Like if we okay, we have to know as Chris Lee that Andre has a big hand. If we know that, I like raising right now. I assume we know that cuz A we didn't re-raise pre, which we would have done a lot with tens. Yeah. Um yeah, B I mean, it's pretty obvious what, what Andre's doing if we're paying attention. On we know and we know shit about shit. Um, see, it seems like Chris Lee does know shit about shit based on his hand and based also on the weight, like I said before, um, Tony Dunst also talks about Chris Lee and talks about him as like a guy who absolutely would recognize what's going on here. All of that would make me think, oh, cool, he's got aces or kings, and I like hit my miracle. What a deal! Let's get full value right now. Let's not give him a chance to you know have the board get weird or something. Like I would, I think I just want to raise
1: even even if we don't know or assume that from pre-flop, he has a really big hand, let's say we give him a wider range pre-flop. And I'm talking about Chris giving Andre a wider range pre-flop. Still, he leads in with, he leads with no particular range advantage into two opponents from the small blind on this flop. He's usually got something that can call a raise, right? With
0: his stack. I mean, I don't know if that's true or not. Like he's short enough that calling a raise is basically committing himself. He's got, he's being all in basically calling a raise, I don't know if that's always true. So you think he's like,
1: what's, what's he bet folding?
0: I mean, he shouldn't have anything here. So I don't know. King Jack, um, Jack, nine suited. I mean, I, it's hard to come up with that. I mean, he shouldn't have either of these hands, but he shouldn't have aces either. So I don't know. But uh, King X, King Queen suited. Is he bet folding that? Yeah. Probably not.
1: I mean, that would, be, that would be a horrific play.
0: Yeah, I agree. It feels like you got to call that off. If you're going to bet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I think we should raise, I'm with you. Don't get me wrong. Uh, yep. as Chris Lee, I think it's a, like,
1: if this guy's actually good, if, if Chris Lee knows that Andre's good or, or if, if Andre one is good and Chris Lee B knows mm. it one and B, that's like a home alone joke. It's from home alone. Um, I think this is clearly a race like This, is predicated on this being an exploit against the amateur who's kind of in the other guy in the hand who's not going to end up mattering, but because Andre leads on this flop, no matter what his pre-flop ranges, it really feels like a good player with this stack doesn't have too many lead folds in a spot that's not a clear range advantage spot for him
0: when he has basically no information about his opponent's hands. It gets weird because if Chris Lee raises here, and you're Andre, forget about this aces for a second. What, okay, let's actually keep aces in there. But what can a what can a hand like aces beat when Chrisley raises on this flop? It's got to be an open ender. Yep. Why? Yeah, that's about it. And it's not it's not ideal. Because it's really just an open-ender, no. right? And there's not that many open-enders. It's, it's a rainbow board. By the way, he was in the, in the big there's blind 30... for... He could have almost... He could have all the two-pair combos. Not all, but he can have most of the two-pair combos. He doesn't have 10-5 off, I guess, but he's got 10-5 suited. There's two combos of that. Only.
1: He's, got he's got 32 combos of open-enders.
0: Um, yeah, I don't know that he's raising them all against the guy where we don't think there's any fold equity. Is he raising any Fair. of them? I don't know. Maybe not because of that. Also, if we're Chris and we're like, that guy has aces or kings, why would we raise our open-enders, right? We might not. Yeah. This is the problem. I guess. This, this sort of creates I a just, weird I think this, dynamic.
1: Despite all of this, despite all of this, if you, if you simplify it, and you put yourself in Andre's shoes and you flatted aces right. or any hand that you could lead on this flop, yeah. are you really bet folding and living with yourself that night? Like, nope. Are you sleeping
0: okay? Never like, in a can't. million years. I'm calling it off and being like, what are you going to do? And then I would look at, and in this case, I would look at the hands and be like, oh, we were always going to get it in anyway. It doesn't matter. Like He attends. It did not matter. And I feel good about it. Yeah. I wouldn't worry about it. Um, and I would not be self-reflective yeah, or so learn actually,
1: anything. I- I actually don't like how either of these players have played the flop because yeah. Chris Lee ends up flatting the tens. Yeah. I don't, I don't like either play. I think I like the flat better than I like the lead. I think the lead is just kind of bad.
0: Yeah, um, I agree.
1: The flat, I could see, if, if you know a lot about Andre, about Andre being super conservative, maybe you want to give him a chance to bet again with his good hands because he's actually going to make super conservative folds, if we know that. Also, then I guess the flat makes more sense. You may know
0: something about Chris Van Dersen where he's going to call too much or even raise too much behind you or just keeping him alive when you've got him drawing often nearly dead. Like once in a while he's open ended, but I guess once in a while he has pocket Queens, but mostly he's, he's dead or almost completely dead here. You know, he needs runners. Um, so trying to keep him in, you figure like you can get the chips from Andre a lot of times on the turn. Anyway, there aren't too many scare cards that those are reasons to call. I still like a race, but those are reasons to call. also.
1: yeah. So there, there are some redeeming qualities to the call. Yeah whereas the lead feels like there's less of that. I agree. Um, now, to Chris Lee's credit, Chris Van Derzen does overcall, and I think probably shouldn't. I think this is probably a mistake to call the 10 of spades with no real prospects on this uh, queen-10-5, no spade board. I mean,
0: what are we beating here? We're beating a draw from, from Andre and Chris Lee having like 10-7 or worse in calling, which... I don't even know if he's gonna call with that hand when Andre leads the the flop and you have the razor behind you still. Like is ten seven off a good call here or ten seven anything? 10 ten seven with backdoor is a good call. Backdoor flush draw? I don't probably probably not. Probably not. So that's this is a real problem. They you need them both to have draws. That's not likely or good. <laughs> you know. No. So and
1: by the way, those draws have a lot of equity against you on this board, no matter what they are. They at least have a jack in them to go along with their draw. Yeah.
0: We don't even have a spade on the board for our own backdoor flush draw, which would make it a little bit better. It, seem, it seems this is just a yeah. really optimistic call here. And maybe this starts to justify Chris Lee deciding to not raise, and we're going to get sort of this very marginal call, drawing dead, or effectively drawing dead. I guess he isn't actually, I guess he could go runner runner straight, but okay. Um, yeah, but like effectively drawing dead behind us. We're in a spot where just like a good player just wouldn't call. So he gets an extra hundred and 115,000 chips put in the pot, three extra blinds, basically put in the pot, um, from a guy who just should never be putting yeah, that, them in.
1: That might be, that might be justification for the way Lee played the flop. Yeah.
0: Because if he knows a lot
1: about vendors and knows like whenever there's not a big raise in front of him, he's going to call with a ton of stuff something like that. Yeah which is what happened. So the pot is now 615,000. The turn does give some hope to Chris Van Derzen. It's the nine of diamonds. He does now have a bad straight draw with his eight. The board now reads queen of diamonds, 10 of hearts, five of clubs, nine of diamonds, 615 in there. Okay, Andre, what you going to do?
0: I mean, this is not a good card. Right? No. A bunch of stuff comes in. King Jack very obviously comes in, but nine, 10 comes in. Queen nine comes in. Those are pretty obvious also. Uh, yep. I mean, we got called in two spots. I don't know if we can really find a fold unless there's a lot of action, but I think we probably shouldn't bet either. I don't know if we should. I think we should probably just check. This seems bad to put more chips in I agree. right now.
1: If we bet, we're just hoping that neither player had King Jack, obviously. Well, yeah. um, or Jack eight I guess probably chris Chris van might be able to have Jack eight if he 's going to call with ten eight maybe he overcalls actually probably better to call with Jack eight than than ten eight
0: maybe we think we can play almost perfectly here like if Chris Lee puts in a raise which actually turns out Chris Lee might since he has a set of tens here uh, we can know that like we 're in a lot of trouble but maybe we think we have to if we bet well, the only reason we can bet is because we think Chris van dersen's going to going to keep putting in chips and in ways that he shouldn't, which he already has proven to do. So that would be a reason to bet instead of giving both right. players a free card.
1: But if Chris Lee really is this good player and Chris Lee has something like queen-deuce suited, he's probably just going to fold if we bet again, right? So we're not getting any more chips from him.
0: Right, but that's okay if he's going to play perfectly against us anyway, like rather than giving him free equity. The only, the only option is to give him free equity if he's, if he's never going to put in chips on the river unless he's ahead. I don't know if that's true, but it's, it seems yeah. very possible then it's fine to bet, to get rid of him and just try and be up against Chris Van Dersen. We could even say to ourselves, Lee didn't raise on the flop. He rarely has a huge hand unless that nine made him, which it could have, but, you know, like, if I... I I think I like a check, but I can understand the idea of trying to get more chips out of Chris Van Dersen because he called the flop, and it feels like, I don't know, like, it makes it harder for Chris Lee to call with Van Dersen behind him in theory, too, now on the turn after they both called, right, in theory...
1: Well, this is all predicated also on on Van Derzen being like a very passive player. Like, you're expecting him not to bet if you check
0: Uh, most of the time. um, We're assuming that, yeah. If Van Derzen bets, we can't really fold. The question is, are we going to shove or not? I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens.
1: Mostly we're going to call, I think.
0: We're going to be in such a weird spot if we just call. Like, Van Derzen's going to bet like, what? The pot's got 615K in it, Van Derzen bets 240 we call, we're going to have like 200 left or 300 left. Like we're going to have like, so so I have a third of the pot. So we might as well just shove, but this way at least we got a chance to get called by a worse player and we get some extra chips in there. Even if he folds rather than betting and have everyone just fold ourselves. I still think I like a check raise all in against Van Derzen better than, uh, than a bet here.
1: I wish we just check raised the flop instead. I wish, I wish that is what we did, but here we are. And Andre decides to lead. I guess he believes he can play perfectly against his opponents or he can get more value this way. He's not
0: even really leading. He just continuing, he bets 150- but go on.
1: Right, right, right. He bets 150K. It's very small into 615. Yeah. So is this like a blocker bet? Is it just like a transparent blocker bet?
0: I think so. I think he also, maybe he can sit back and know, like, if Chrisley raises, that's really bad news. Like Chrisley, who should know what he has, give or take. If Chris Lee decides to raise anyway when Andre's is short, maybe, maybe he's trying to get away really cheap against a guy like that. I don't That's the only reason I can think to bet this small. It's a really weird play. Like a blocker bet isn't super great either. I guess this is a way maybe to get value out of Chris Van Dersen. Maybe, maybe that's the reason. Maybe. That makes sense. Okay, that's got to that's be what Maybe it's that's about. the whole play. Okay, I like that. that. That's at least a good reason to bet this much. I guess so. Boy, we're just like, Chris Van Dersen sucks. Really get- Chris Van Derzen's so bad, we could just buy every play, everything that Andre ever does, no matter what, because it's Chris Van Dersen, right? I mean, that's so unfair, but whatever.
1: Chris Van Dersen, if you're a listener, yeah. we apologize for assigning this to you. We don't actually know if you're good or bad. We're just going based on what Tony Dunst right. said. Tony Duns we made- don't like your flop. Tony Dunst made
0: a comment about you explaining, basically saying the reason why Andre flatted the Aces in the small blind pre-flop is because Van Derzen wouldn't be good enough to understand that Andre kind of can only have aces there or aces and kings. Now, we're so we're just going on that. We don't know that that's actually true. Sorry if that's wrong. <laughs> Sorry if even if it's right. Yeah. We, you, we sort of really we're really making you a bit of a punching bag here. But oh well, it's a podcast. It was eight years ago. What are you going to do?
1: Yep, yeah. everybody was worse. It's fine. Yeah. Anyway, 150 into 615. As Lee, do you want to just... You just got to raise now, right? The board's getting a bit too sloppy.
0: Yeah, I think we have to raise. Uh, the worst case scenario... And f-
1: Nifler, Nifler is like... Nif- sorry to cut it's you okay. off.
0: That's my fault. Yep. Um,
1: Nifler has, has shown nothing but strength post-flop, so you'd expect to potentially be able to get some action. I mean, we think we,
0: think we know what Nifler has for Chris Lee, right? So we're pretty sure yeah. we know what he has. He bets again. We can't let... Chris Van Der either we can't really let him draw to a straight for what is going to be like a you know a fifteen percent pot bet for him, you know when when he's going to have position on us and is deep enough that he can do real damage if he gets there. When this pot is basically ours almost always, admittedly once in a while Chris Van Der just made a straight, he just made the nuts, and that's going to be a real problem for us. Uh, like if we get raised right now, like if we raise and we get re-raised, yeah, that's going to really suck, and we may have to fold. It depends. Depends on how deep we are, and yeah. lots, that's other factors. We'll have to worry about that when we get there. Um, God, it would really suck to fold a set of tens here. I don't know. I don't know if we can fold a set of tens. We may, maybe we can't, but that's that's like for another day. We got to worry about that when that happens. You know, worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Right now, it right. feels like we cannot allow Van Durzen to see a cheap river card. This cheaper river card, when we might be able to get it all in against Andre.
1: So, how much does Andre have behind after the one hundred and fifty? Here, he started with eight hundred and seventy-five. He's put in a total of looks like two, two three hundred forty-five thousand. That's
0: how much he's put in. Okay,
1: so okay, so he's down to like five hundred and forty k. Yep, and five hundred and thirty k.
0: Right, so he just bet one hundred and fifty. So he's down to like a little under like three hundred high three hundreds.
1: No, it's 5.30, 530 after the one fifty.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, my bad. You're right. You're right.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, so do we want to raise to an amount that is going to put him all in, or do we want to raise to a smaller
0: amount? Well, the only reason to raise to a smaller amount is to save money every time Chris Van has the nuts and puts in a big raise behind us. Right? Because effectively, because yeah. our raise is moving... Andre all in whether it actually does or not, right? Andre's not going to call with right. and leave 105k left, and if he does, he's getting it on almost every river, right? Like it doesn't matter. So I think so we might as well raise small, give us a little more maneuverability. I'm not saying we're going to fold if we get re-raised by Van Der but why not give ourselves maximum maneuverability? A raise is strong from Van Der point of view, whether we make it 530k or 400k right now. So why not go small?
1: I agree with that, and that's. This is all, once again, predicated on a Van Derzen thing of if our plan is to almost always fold if Van Derzen three bets here, then I think going small is clearly the better play. But if our plan is to raise and hope Van Derzen doesn't three bet and not know what we're going to do if he does, it's not quite as clear to me that it's better, but it still can't be that bad. I
0: I think it's pretty good because depending on how deep they are, I think they're pretty deep. Well, you said Van Derzen started with 50 blinds, so maybe not deep enough. But yeah. depending on how much he raises, too, if he three bets, we might be able to call, you know, and, like, see what happens on the river, basically. If the board pairs, we're never folding. If the board doesn't pair and Van, Der- Van Derzen moves in, we're, we're probably going to have to fold a lot. Um, but but by making it only 425 or 400 or something like that instead of 530, it's going to often – Van Derzen may make his th- three bets smaller, too. Now, maybe he won't. Maybe, the, maybe we can't control that. But maybe he makes it 1.1 million instead of 1.6 million and like – that all matters, right? So.
1: To be clear, it's not, it's not 530. It would be 680 that we would be making
0: it oh, okay. if we wanted to put Andre on. Okay. Up. Thank you very much. So that's even, that's even more reason yeah. to keep it small, I think. I just don't see any downside to yeah. making it like 400. And there seems to be at least sometimes some upside. So.
1: Yeah, I see that. And so does Chris Lee. He makes it 425. Yeah. Uh, that get rid, that's gets rid of Vendurzen. Yes. All right, Andre. Are you happy with what you've done to yourself, Andre? You do you be. love yourself right now? I mean, you
0: can't feel good at all about what this, do you do? right? It's just got to feel horrible. Yeah. Like, is it possible? This is, this is what we have to ask ourselves. Is it possible that Chris Lee has a hand like ace queen or king queen and is deciding like, well, I'm getting it in against Andre anyway, so I might as well like raise to so just do that and get rid of Van Derzen rather than let Van Derzen like draw for free against me. Or effectively free because it's so cheap. Uh, Is it possible? Because if we can't say yes to that, we probably have to fucking fold right now. Um, If we think it's possible, yeah, I think you're right. And I'm concerned.
1: I'm concerned that's a game theory disaster for Lee against Andre. Me too. To raise that hand.
0: I mean, if Lee's paying attention, he should think this guy has aces and maybe a little bit of kings, but mostly aces. Why would I do that? Why would I put in all these chips with king, queen here, right? Like I can call and or fold. I can do any of these things. you know. I, maybe, maybe I called once on the flop to see if I improved. Maybe. Maybe. Um, maybe you just feel like you have to call once on the flop with a hand like king-queen. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe you just fold anyway.
1: I don't know. It depends on how advanced we want to get yeah. here because if you're Lee and you have king-queen, you could play the hand exactly like this until the turn, and then if you truly think that Andre is only... Playing aces and kings like this because of the pre-flop action. You also block the nuts just in case against Van Der Uh Maybe King Queen turns into a bluff, and it's like a genius play.
0: Oh, that's pretty interesting. Now you really have to believe Andres not folding. Sorry, is going to be able to cable, is capable of folding aces here, right? When he's yeah. already put in this much money, so you have to know that that's in him to do, and that he's actually going to do it here instead of like just shrug his shoulders of like whatever, like. Let's go. I'm, I'm committed. Yeah. You know, like I've certainly have been in tournaments where like, uh, I'm thinking of one hand right now. I won't get into the story, but I remember like check calling the turn and checking, sorry, check calling the flop and checking the turn. The guy moved me in and I just like shook my shoulders and said, I've already put him in half my stack, man. And called with like an underpair to the, or not, not there was a, there's an overcard on the board and like he was drawing dead as it turned out, you know, but he was bluffing. But, like, I was just like, well, if I'm out, I'm out, kind of a thing. Like, I'm committed here, you know. So, now, that was not against a player of th- this, you know. It was a different situation in a lot of ways. But but there is something about that pot commitment thing, right? Like, where or, where you're just, like, you're, your stack is committed to this. That happens. That's real. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, it's tough for, for Chris Lee to not look super strong by raising. I know. Because of all of this, right? It sucks. But... It's probably the right play anyway, just because we get to get rid of Van Der Yeah, uh, which is important.
0: I agree. I think he's got but as, Andre, it. as Andre,
1: as Andre, as Andre. We're certainly not beating any value at this point, right? And if we know that that Lee is capable of flatting hands like tens, queens is probably less likely. He, you think he? Maybe if he really thinks it's just aces and kings, he also flats queens pre-flop. I mean, Who knows? Queens
0: plays the same, but maybe he'd also say it's twenty-one blinds. Fuck it, but. He could have said that with 10s. Yeah. I would guess he's going to play queens the same way. I would guess, but I don't know that.
1: So then we're contending here with uh, all 16 combos of king, jack, at least some combos of 10s, and maybe some combos of queens, and definitely all the combos of fives,
0: right? All that, plus... Those are the hands that are beating us. Plus jack, nine. Sorry, sorry. Plus uh, jack, eight. No, it can't really have jack, eight. That's incredible. No. Sorry. T- no jack, 10, eight. nine. Queen, 10. That's slow played. Queen, nine. 9-5 suited, ten five slow played suited. There's there's just a lot that's beating us and almost nothing that isn't.
1: I don't give him 9-5 suited, and I'm not so
0: sure because he called the flop. I think oh, he was that's fair. Flop with no, nine, you're right. Suited. You're right. He doesn't have 9-5 suited. You're right.
1: And I, and I think the two pairs are a lot more likely just to raise on the flop, so I wouldn't necessarily give him as frequent of combos of those, but maybe maybe we can give it to him. I
0: mean, he did flat 10s, so he can at least have... Two pairs some of the time, right? They're, not, they're different, but they're not wildly different. Um, but there's, but certainly the queen nine and the ten nine, we have to include, right? All, com- yeah. all combos of queen nine and 10-9. 10-9 uh,
1: is closer. He is in between the super short stack and the guy who doesn't fold a lot on the oh, flop. on the flop. Nine.
0: Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Yeah, I was thinking pre-flop only when I said that. Yeah, I guess you're right. 9-5 suited maybe, and maybe 10-9 is not. Maybe he's going to fold 10-9.
1: Nonetheless, there's a guaranteed 16 combos looming large here of King Jack. Like, certainly King Jack is there for Lee. Um, What are the bluffs? Plus other value that's... That's the question. It has to be something like King Queen, right? Or King 10. Hands like that that are like, I know this guy doesn't have a super strong hand because of his preflop call. He has a strong hand, but not a super strong hand. My hand isn't good enough. I have to turn into a bluff.
0: The problem, of course, is that means he called King Ten on the flop, which is also not a sure thing. We don't know that he's going to call a Ten on the yeah. flop, especially this guy. If we think our hand is kind of our range is kind of transparent pre-flop, why would he call middle pair on the flop? You know, I'm not sure he'd call top pair on the flop, but maybe he would. Maybe he feel obligated to. Maybe not. Um, it's really hard to come up with very much. You figure he'd have a King or a Jack in his hand. It's hard to come up like King Queen, Jack Queen, Jack, jack Nine. What? Jack nine. Okay, but he's got... I mean, he's... Why would he Why would he raise it? To bluff. To bluff, right. Bluff with equity. Right. Okay, jack nine is at least a bluffing combo. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. So there's 12 combos of jack nine.
1: Yeah, and he certainly wouldn't play them all like this.
0: I mean, this would have to be some next-level shit, man, to, like... Do that when, your opponent, when, you're, when you're pretty sure your opponent has a super strong, like, overpair level range here and is this short and often looks committed. To make this play anyway, you've got to know that your opponent is going to fold that super strong range. Super strong is maybe not right, but strong range there where they might be emotionally, mentally committed to this pot. That is not, I mean, that's not something you're going to see even the best players in the world do very often. It's asking a lot to think that this guy's bluffing with that hand. Maybe he is. Maybe it's amazing. But usually they're not bluffing in this spot, right? Like, usually he's not going to take Jack Knight and turn it into a bluff here, is my guess. Almost, maybe never.
1: Uh, yeah. I, I, I think that is a fair assessment. So ultimately, I think, as Andre, you probably have to fold. Yeah,
0: I think you do. I think it sucks. I think it's regrettable. I think it turns out we're going to look later at this TV stream, whatever, and find out that, oh, we would have gone bust if we, uh, if we had shoved pre anyway. So cool. I actually get to save money if I fold. But I think we absolutely have to fold. And I think it's actually pretty straightforward.
1: Well, Andre does too. He folds. So good for him. He certainly lost fewer chips than I would have in this hand because yeah. I would have lost them all either on the flop or pre-flop. Uh, but still... Strange way to play the hand. Maybe, maybe it works in the end. Maybe he, maybe he can dance between the raindrops, and it ended up saving him a bunch of money. But there's a lot of situations where where Chrisley could have had a hand in the big blind that would have beaten aces but would have folded to a three-bat pre too. Oh, my so gosh.
0: Like, you, like you most d- of them. Have
1: an issue with that. Most of them
0: that are raising yeah. the turn here are exactly that, right? There's, there's some King Jack, sure, but there right. are a bunch of other hands that can raise here that would have felt obligated to fold. Like pocket fives just have to fold, right?
1: King Jack would have folded to a three too.
0: Absolutely, it would have. It can't. Whether, whether there's an opener already. Yeah. It's folding for sure. For sure. Queen 10, if there's a Queen yeah. 10 out there, same thing. Queen
1: 9. So, yeah. Didn't really help Andre, though, because he still goes out sixth, right? That is Gets, correct. Still uh,
0: sixth place. Now, I'll say this it helped Chris Lee a little bit because he ended up going out third. Chris Van Derzen finished fifth. So he got to financially exercise his dominion over Andre which just got to be guy. Nice <laughs> I love thing. I love doing that. Yeah.
1: Hey, before we go, mm. can we do a little scene? William Reynolds going to a Toyota dealership.
0: Yeah. Let's go. Uh welcome to uh welcome to uh New York Toyota, sir. Come on in.
1: Uh I've been I've been seeing your commercials on the television, and the the Camry has been interesting me. Can you show me to your finest Camry? Soon? I
0: would love to show you the Camry. It's right over here. You see, we've got... This one's in green, but we can get you any color you want. Look at that interior. Oh,
1: green. Green. Oh, the, the interior is certainly pristine. It's pristine, yes. Ah, yes. It's, uh, it's really a quality Camry. I can tell by the shape of the wheels. It's wonderful. Yes. I'll take the Camry to go, sir. Please. Uh, In green. Sure. Uh, green.
0: Camry for William Reynolds. Camry
1: for William. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. I'll have my assistant fill out the paperwork. That's that's the end of the... William Reynolds goes to a Toyota dealership. He doesn't do a very good car research. He just saw a commercial and just kind of I mean, decided to buy a that's Camry. that's
0: true for the way a lot of people spend money. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. That's fair. Yeah. That's, that's fair. That's why they have them. Commercials. Okay. Okay. I
1: guess that's that's how we are the I podcast. i
0: my sunlight, and all I need is one mic. You're not going to show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, you am bound to leave them so I'm sipping on like a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life, and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne and gonna be traveling the globe. We still have time to.